Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the pod that shares the stories of those affected by suicide. Lost a loved one? Attempted it yourself? Did you know that when you share a burden, the load is lightened? Come listen in with your host, Elaine Lindsay. Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the podcast, is for education only. Some of the subject matter could be triggering for those that are newly grieving or in a poor state of mental health. Please call your local suicide hotline or mental health office if you need immediate help. My guest today is Lois Covey. She's a transformational speaker, trainer, coach, Ironman triathlete, and she's coached thousands of people in business and healthy lifestyles since the year 2000. She has seen so many people focus on the external doing of goal setting, New Year's resolutions and intention setting, and realize that most of our success lies within. She had her own awakening journey of working through addictive behaviors, depression, anxiety, and struggles, as well as many victories and successes. Lois also helps guide you with love and compassion with mind, body, spirit, fitness as a transformational coach using guided visualization and many other tools in her vast tool belt to get you to live the life you love with super conscious creation. Interestingly, she lives in Southern California with her family and she hosts retreats with her beloved husband, Didier, who is a shaman. They use sacred shamanic tools as well to help guide and support those that are open to that path of deep dive, shadow work, and trauma release. And I'm sure that's part of what we'll be covering with Lois today. I'm very excited to have her here with us. So thank you so much, Lois, for joining me here today. Uh, We're gonna just go ahead and jump in and and let you start where you want to. Awesome. Well, first of all, thank you so much for what you do and and sharing the messages and bringing hope to so many people. Um, I have a very interesting story. I'll just dive right in. I um, I've been uh, how should I say this? Um, I don't want to say fortunate because it's it's such a, a strange word to say. I've I've uh, but I'm going to say it. I've I've been fortunate enough to have um, ten friends in my life um, commit suicide, and my brother died of alcoholism. I've had a lot of friends, clients um, who died of addiction, mostly alcohol, um, the occasional you know drugs and things of that nature. And I I had my first experience with suicide back in 2006, and it was he was like a brother. To me, and I never understood um, suicide up until that moment. And yet, when he died, and I just remember just crying and crying and crying and crying and crying, and and even going to his funeral. He was Catholic, um, and having this, this this battle in my own mind, you know, of was he going to heaven? Was he going to hell? Like, yeah. thankfully, I didn't really actually focus on that. I'm more focused on why did this happen? He was like my brother. I never saw it coming. I never, ever saw it coming. And then almost about every other year, I'd lose another friend and then another friend. And some of them were like sisters to me. Some of them were just, again, people who were trying to figure out how to be on this plane of this human existence. And then 
I went through my own journey of becoming addicted to alcohol, um, becoming addicted to work, numbing out to life. And just remembering even when my brother died of alcoholism, it was, I was so numb by that point because by that point I'd, I'd lost about seven friends to suicide, other friends to addiction. And I myself had these thoughts of why am I here? You know, why am I still alive? And so to keep a really long story short, because I could go on for hours, um, I decided to, to save my own life. Um, and with the help of friends who recommended I check out plant medicine and things like ayahuasca, psilocybin, magic mushrooms, also known as, and, and working with shamans and healers, not like the, hey, let's go get high type of a thing and go from you know one addiction to another um, yeah. kind of thought process. And, and through that journey, I got the answers um, to all of the people who died and why they did it. And, and this may sound really esoteric, but I, I was able to go into the, the spiritual realm um, underneath you know, the, the guidance of these sacred plants who have so much wisdom and who've been here millions, billions of years longer than we have. And I got to connect with my dearly departed and they actually showed me parts of their lives, the, the painful, most painful experiences and painful um, losses and griefs that they could never recover from. Because in our society, most of us are taught, you got to wear a mask, you got to be perfect, you got to be put on a happy face, fake it till you make it. And as they were showing me their pain, they were mirroring back to me my own and how I had gotten lost in this some people would call it 3D world. I don't know if that means anything to you, but in this this world of just doing, and I had found myself in this place of doing instead of being my true authentic self. And I, I kid you not, even people like Prince who died of opioid addiction, people like Robin Williams and, and um, Chris Farley and Chris Cornell and all of these famous people would come to me um, in my plant medicine journeys and say, Hey, you can be, you can be our voice. You know, we, we couldn't heal from these deep, deep wounds from childhood, these dysfunctional family wounds that a lot of times we'd want to sweep under the rug, under the carpet. You know, I grew up with a schizophrenic mother who tried to kill herself many times. Right. So there was, there was a lot of shame that we were all holding in silence in, in silence. And so, (laughs) right. We don't talk about that. Oh no. And so we grew up with that. And my brother, you know, bless his heart. He, he didn't know how to be in, and you just want to be loved. You just want to be heard. You just want to be seen for who you are, not who you should be. And so through a lot of that healing, I was able to understand my own addiction to alcohol, my own addiction to people pleasing. And essentially what that meant was I couldn't be myself. So I had to be all things for all other people. I didn't have any healthy boundaries. And there's a lot of mental, physical, and spiritual layers that we can unpack maybe as we talk that I discovered that when you're not allowed to be seen, be heard for your truth, then you start to die long before you maybe pull the trigger or long before you drink that last alcoholic beverage or that pill that 
that, that, you know, takes your body out of this plane. And so I was able to heal a lot of that grief, a lot of that loss, a lot of my own childhood wounds. I call them the mother wound, the father wound, the black sheep of the family <laughs> wound, and, and even the religion wound. I had a, a deep wound around religion and, um, and, you know, the dogmas around those institutions also put us in a box and hold us down from being our true authentic self. And so that's really been, and I know that's really kind of wild and out there, Elaine, but, but that's been my own experience of making peace with suicide, having my own understanding of, Hey, if I don't stop this, I'm going to kill myself. Maybe not, you know, with a gun or with a hanging or whatever, just more of that slow suicide and just not wanting to live in this body anymore can take many different forms. And so the compassion, this will be my final thing, the compassion and the self-love and the forgiveness that I was, I was able to find for myself. Cause when you have that many people die of addiction and suicide, there's a lot of guilt, a yeah. lot of anger, a lot of what is, how could I, how could that happen? They were my friend, they were my brother, but at the same time, um, I had, you know, to, to look and, and forgive myself for all of that. And to then, how can we be a light to the world and help others who may be going through all of those experiences now? And I, I know addiction is on the rise since the pandemic. There's uh, mental health and suicide. And so I'm so grateful to be able to have this conversation and talk about it openly because for a long time I was really scared. Yeah, absolutely. And and you're speaking to the crux of why I do this. Because mm -hmm. that silence, that shame, and that stigma has kept so many of us in the box, saying nothing, doing nothing, and not understanding anything mm -hmm. other than wanting to numb ourselves and just go through the motion. You said people pleaser, and yes, absolutely. Putting on one mask after another to fit in with this group or that group or whatever, and never feeling a part of it because there's just such a, a wall of holding the silence, the stigma, and the shame. And I have to say, I, I'm, I'm so thrilled that your generation and younger generations are sort of throwing off the shackles of what I knew as a young person, of, of the, the heavy cloak of that silence mm. and, and the shame mm. and stigma and, and the religious doctrines and all of the dogma and all of those pieces. Even parts of the Catholic Church are starting to question you know, are we doing this right? Is is there not a better way yeah. to reach out to people? Because we have the highest suicide rate ever now. And you are absolutely correct. And I'm so glad you spoke to the fact that addictions, alcohol, drugs, they are just slower forms of suicide. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and how do you get so smart so young? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you're so sweet. Well, first of all, I'm 45. So I don't know. I, I jokingly say, Elaine, that the last two years was my midlife crisis. So, um, you know, I, uh, I do want to live to be 100 plus because I'm just so excited to now understand the pain, understand, you know, the fear, understand uh, people at a much deeper level. So I, I think um, because there's a, I, I call myself an Xennial. So I'm like right on the cusp of Gen, Gen X and millennial. Yeah. I feel like I was born at like that, that they call it the second wave in the spiritual world. I'm not going to get all, you know, super esoteric on you, but we, we were like, we were born at that time at the end of the seventies, early eighties to, to be open, more open spiritually and and to question things and to look at things differently and to also be i think young enough now in this awakening yeah. new earth that's being birthed to have enough time to also hand the baton down to the next generation and to work together with the sacred plants i believe that are making a comeback and all of that kind of stuff to be able to help heal the world heal the planet and to truly make a difference. So I, I, you know, I was, my mom was, I was born in a mental institution hospital and like from day one, I was in foster care and I was tossed about. So I think because I, I kind of also got to raise myself and I see that yeah. now as a, as a gift yeah. rather than a, than a curse or a, oh, woe is me. Right. I, I got to experience a lot of humanity at a very young age and yeah. to be able to raise myself, you end up, you end up raising yourself and growing up faster for better or for worse. Absolutely. And, and the journey, I, I'm really fascinated by your, your plant medicine journey and, and what brought you, you know, to the threshold so that you could look into plant medicine. Yeah, gosh, it's such a great question. Um, because I was never a smoker. I never did quote unquote drugs. Right. And I was, you know, I was a, was a good girl and health and fitness and all that kind of stuff. But I got to the point in 2020 where I woke up one day and I looked in the mirror and, you know, my brother had died. Um, he had dropped dead of, of alcoholism and I didn't cry. I didn't, I didn't cry. It was, I was so numb and that scared me. Number one, that, that, that freaked me out. That didn't seem right or normal. And then right after him, my mom died two months later. And uh, going through that, you know, two big tragic figures in my life who just like they died almost like to say, hey, Lois, it's time for you to live. It's time for you to break the generational curses. It's time for you. And, and that was not like a conscious thought. I think that no. was that was in my my spirit, my DNA, them saying, hey, you, you've got to heal. Because I at that point, I was a binge drinking workaholic. I oh. thought I was going to be getting a divorce. I really thought marriage was like not for me. My kids didn't get to see any best parts of me. So I felt like a worthless mom. And later that year in the pandemic, I started making a lot of money and I still was dead inside. And so two things happened really, really quick uh, story. I read the book, The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer. I don't know if you've ever read that. No. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 
it really um it's a powerful book you know he's all about meditation and going within and and quieting the mind and being a witness and um at first i read the book and i actually got pissed because i was like wait a minute you're meaning to tell me he's a hippie who meditated his, his whole life and he became a millionaire and my my judgy i call her the judgy bitch was coming out saying i've been working my ass off and i've been doing all the right things i've been falling into line according to society you know climbing the ladder all of that stuff and here he was just meditating hours a day and living life and and yet the reason i got pissed is because i knew that that's really who i am and who i had was born to be not a doer but a human being and so i asked myself how why did i get here and leaning heavily on these addictions i didn't know how to stop and so I tried grief counseling, I tried psychotherapy, and I, it, it just made it worse. Honestly, for me, it, it just made it, it made it worse. So I, I took a week off that year um, at Christmas. And I, I had I met a guy who was on my podcast, and he wrote the book, The Closet Spiritualist. Yes. And so I understood I needed a surrender. Didn't know what that exactly was at that time, because I was so like, just run and run and run and run and run and dopamine hit. Just go, 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 do, 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 push, push, push. And this guy who wrote this book, The Closet Spiritualist, he was channeling from divine and sending me messages without my permission, I might add. So I always tease him. I'm like, you, you were lucky <laughs> that I, yeah. actually, I actually liked the messages that I was receiving because I could have just blocked him, right? This was all on Facebook Messenger. And he said, no, no, I got to tell you this. You're meant for more than this. What you're doing now, you're not going to be doing much longer. You're here to be of service. And I understood that what he was saying was absolutely true. But I, I was like, how? I I'm, I don't know. I feel like such a hypocrite. I mean, who am I to, 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 to help people right now? Because I feel so broken, so lost, so numb. And so he said, I think you need to go check out ayahuasca and um, psilocybin. And so, and he had never done plant medicine. So again, he was channeling this from the divine. And I said, okay, I actually know a mushroom shaman. And I did my first, you know, journey with that and a bunch of other medicines that I've done 40 plus sits now since April of 2021 to do deep dive healing, because I knew that I needed to go that deep because my, my, my mind was so shut down by trauma and numbing addictive behaviors that I, I had to get to my heart this other way, which was through sacred plants. And so through my first psilocybin journey, and this is, this is really profound, I actually got to hang out with my brother, who, the alcoholic who had died. And in the spiritual realm, I mean, this is real stuff, like you... Yeah. You can't meditate to get this kind of, at least I can't. Um, and he was able to show me his his most painful moments of his life you know, and the reasons why he chose to become an alcoholic and also reasons why he stayed there. And I, I got to really, really heal and forgive myself for feeling like the bad sister and all of the things and kept going and then had other journeys with ayahuasca where I met with my ancestors and they actually told me my purpose and why I was here and why I got to experience my own journey with and shame and anger and judgment and um, self-criticism. And it was all part of an ancestral, you know, wound and I'm here to break those curses. And so all of this came through the plant medicine just to keep it really simple. I mean, not simple, but 
to keep a long story short, you know, I kept going back to the plants because that's where I would commune with my ancestors. I would release the grief. All of my friends um, who committed suicide would come and visit me and cheer me on and say, thank you. Thank you for doing what we couldn't do, which again, is healing the mother wound, the father wound, the religion wound, the addictive behaviors, feeling disconnected and not enough. And, you know, abandoning the abandonment wound is the biggest one that I discovered. Cause if we feel abandoned, then what that causes, we abandon ourselves yes. through addiction, through, you know, judgment, through distraction, through people, playing. we give of ourselves way too much in the world where then our cup is dry and empty. At that point you, you are dead. You're maybe living body, but you're so disconnected from your mm -hmm. higher self. And so it was able to help me reach my higher self, my divine within, and really better understand why I'm here in this physical body and why I want to stay alive now. Like now I have like a renewed purpose and passion to help other people better understand, you know, their purpose and their passion and their reason for being and for living, you know? Wow. I wasn't sure why I have pursued you as a guest for a little while. And I kept seeing your name and things and, and things kept coming up kind of around you. And I, I can be a little slow sometimes when Spirit sends messages, but I got the message and I now know why. Wow. All of that. And yes, it is esoteric because guess what? A life is full of the esoteric. It's what makes life worth living. Mm. And then until we get to a point that we really understand it and acknowledge it in our lives, whether we become wonderful healers or whether we simply live in the moment and take what we can from this life, I think it's really important that we get to that place and having people like you to guide people, I think is absolutely wonderful. Tell me or tell the audience uh, what it is you, you took all this learning. I'm, I'm so impressed by the fact that you, you know, you stepped up for you in what seems like a relatively short time, but over your lifetime, it wasn't that short. But you stepped up for you, and in doing so, you're now helping transform others. And, and where are you in that journey? How does that reflect on your immediate life and your family? And where do you go from here? Ah. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot uh, to unpack. Um, I guess first and foremost, I want to share a, a quick story that inspired me and, and yet the, the time frame that it still took me to understand and heed the call. So my, I want to say my third medicine journey um, is where I saw all of my friends who committed suicide, my brother, including my mom and my dad and other people who had gone before. Mm -hmm. And they were all standing like next shoulder to shoulder looking at me and saying, you're here to be our voice. You're here to help spread the message. 
messages that you're learning through this path and through your own healing. And at that time I was scared. So this was June of 2021. Okay. So I was in denial. I was upset. I was like, I can't, I don't even know what that looks like. I don't understand. I'm, I'm not worthy of that calling. And so I, I, I sort of shut that idea down for another year, just to let you know, I, I knew what they were saying, but I, I was in denial of it. And cause I'm like, I'm not a healer. I, I don't know. I, 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 who am I to be doing this? And so it, it took me a year of more healing, deep dive, working through all of those wounds and limiting beliefs and understanding them at the visceral somatic level and a lot of um, purging and somatic therapy and all of that to then finally be like, okay, so I know that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. And yet, why do we get so stuck in our head and on that autopilot hamster wheel? And so I became a student of my own addictive behaviors. I started finding the tools that were helping me um, cleanse and live and a healthier, better life. I saw myself lose 30 pounds because I changed my relationship with alcohol and food. I saw my marriage go from, I think it's not going to work out at all to it's the best it's ever been in the 14 and a half years that we've been together. You know, we're actually talking about renewing our vows and doing, getting remarried all over again, because we're two completely different people. And, you know, my relationships with my children are so, so rich and so invaluable now. And they really have the best parts of me. And we've talked openly about all of our healing too. It's, it's been completely out of the closet, come out underneath the rug so that they understand that we're, we're breaking these generational curses, not just to heal, you know, the ancestors and ourselves, but to also influence them and generations forward so that it's an open discussion, right? Um, and through that process, getting, building our own spiritual community, um, building our own support system, because that was one of the things that I grew up with, right? The church, the community. And I shut that down because I was so wounded by religion and dogma and the rules and the judgments in the box. And so we finally brought that back. And I say all that because that was, as I, I kind of like not to, to make a funny joke, but I mushroomed into this, this <laughs> thing who is now loving of herself, accepting of herself, felt safe, felt held, felt that I could now mm -hmm. speak my truth and be authentic. So just this last summer is when I started doing classes around superconscious creation. If you see in the background here, you see these, these, you can't see it all, but there's two minds yeah. connecting. You know, we have this superconscious field, this quantum energy that's here before we're born. It's still here when we die. And, and that's how we're all one. We're all connected. So having those spiritual conversations with people around their addictive behaviors, around their grief, and around their lack of purpose or self-worth. So I've put together subscriptions. I put together microdosing with psilocybin, 30-day um, jump starts, uh, putting together ceremonies with my husband. He's now a ghost whisperer. We didn't even get to talk about him. Um, but, but he's had his own journey with the addiction. He almost died um, once and um, all of those things. So now he can speak to the dead. He can channel the dead. He can help people get to the ancestral plane, even without plant medicine. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he's got a whole bag of gifts that now we can come together and 
co-create um, in the online community space that we've created in the microdosing coaching space that I'm doing, and then in ceremony and retreat space that he and I can do together collectively to help people with, with what I call now mind, body, spirit, wellness, going within, connecting with your higher self, your ancestors, if you so choose, but just really quieting the mind, connecting with the heart, honoring the body, you know, through yoga, breath work, and proper nutrition, different things like that. I'm doing a 40-day addictive behavior challenge coming up, and I'm going to even offer up superfood nutrition along with kundalini yoga, breath work, mindful eating, mindfulness, meditation, and things of that nature. So really, I use myself as a guinea pig, guys. I said, all right, if I'm going to live and I'm going to live well, um, what did it take for me to come back into my body, fall in love with myself, find my purpose, renew my passion for life, want to live. You know, I'm, I'm pulling it all together into my own programming for people to, to help them essentially experience healing the way that really, really worked well for me and I think can work well for a lot of people. Oh, I think that's incredible. And it leads to a couple of things, which is we are definitely going to have to have you back. And I think that's a two and a three and who knows, maybe more. <laughs> uh, because there's so much more I want to unpack there that I think is critically important. When I started, excuse me, this podcast, we talked about sharing the stories of suicide survivors those left behind and very quickly understood we had to expand to mental health, to anxiety, to depression, to new formats of how do we envision going forward and how do we make it so we can live the best life we can here. And, and I think you speak to all of that and the fact that we're using you as a guinea pig, as am I using me. I'm just a slow learner, as I keep telling people. It's it's wonderful because, I don't know about you, but I'm much more likely to try something, to go somewhere, to do something, if the person who is offering it has already done it, has already been there and can take me along with their insight and their knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I absolutely thank you for making the best out of a very, very difficult journey. And, and uh, uh, there's, a, there's a certain light that comes from you. I can truly feel that you, everything you say is everything you are. And, and that's really incredible. Thank you. Thank you. And and will you come back? I would love it. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Oh, my God, because I have so many questions for you. And we will definitely talk about microdosing. Um, I, I can honestly say I know a lot about psilocybin, but not in that vein. Ah. Not in that context. <laughs> But that's a talk for another day. I thank you so much for being with us. If you could leave our audience with one thing that they can do right this minute to help themselves, what would that be? Gosh, just remember to breathe. 
Um, it's so easy to forget, especially on the go, go, the do, do, just even taking a four count breath, inhale through the nose, holding at the top, sipping in a little bit more air and, and thinking about as you're breathing in what you're grateful for and then exhaling out through the mouth loud with a sigh. In fact, if we can finish with that, I would love to do that. So you, you, you'll, when you're exhaling, you just let go of tension. You, you let go of any pain, anger, suffering, anything that may be holding you back. So does that sound good if we do that together? Wonderful. Wonderful. So again, I'll speak, you're going to inhale through the nose, four counts, hold to the top, and I'll, I'll guide you through it. So inhaling through the nose is really important. So just remember that. So let's go ahead. Inhale one, two, three, four, hold at the top, sip in some more like a straw through the mouth, and then release out loud. <sighs> Whenever something pisses you off, something gets you down, or if you feel that urge for another drink or another people pleasing, yes, just breathe. Just breathe. What a wonderful way to end for today. Lois Coffey, I appreciate you very much. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Elaine Lindsay, and as per usual, make the most of your today every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on your favorite service. Suicide Zen Forgiveness was brought to you by Truel Social Media, the digital integration specialists. Let them get you on page one in the search results. And also by Canada's keynote humorist, Judy Croon, the motivational speaker, comedian, author, and stand-up coach at Second City. On the stage, Judy draws from her wealth of performance experience, wit, and insight to entertain, inform, and inspire in her dynamic keynotes and half-day workshops.